You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. It is Monday, October 10th, 2022. How are you doing, Christina Dennis? I am doing wonderful, Damon Frank. How are you? Happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday. We are into October. I'm a little casual today. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm wearing the the V-neck T-shirt because it is Ooh. Los Angeles. I don't have to go all fall. That's right. That's right. On you. That is right. It is very easy to uh, miss fall in Los Angeles. I call it second summer most of the time. <laughs> it is the second summer. You get to turn down that air conditioning just a little bit and. Uh, you know, kind of snuggle up in 90 degree weather and listen to an episode of the Recovered Life Show. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And please, please, thank you, everyone who tunes in. Make sure that you like, share, and follow our podcast. Download it, leave us a comment, subscribe. We are so appreciative of all of the comments. It allows us to, you know, bring content that you like and it allows us to grow this movement. So absolutely, when you're snuggling down, make sure you don't miss us. Uh, we've got lots and lots of good stuff coming. Guys, it helps so much. You know, you can get it on any platform that you uh, download. That podcast. is right. You know, just type in The Recovered Life Show and you are there. So, Christina, I, you know, we've been planning on doing this episode for quite a while because, um, as many people know that follow us on Instagram or YouTube, I I've said in the show that mm -hmm. I suffered from dyslexia really bad, you know, not only as a kid, but, you know, uh, into my adulthood. And I guess once you have dyslexia, you always have dyslexia. I don't think you can get rid of it. I don't think it's something like uh, a pimple or something. I think you nope. I think have it. Right. Yep. You have a you have a neurodivergent brain. You have uh, you know differences in your executive function, and you can learn how to overcome them. You know, we know this with ADHD. There are seven types. We know so much more about the brain because of the fMRI, which is literally in the last eight ten years where we can see it. But the amount of effort that you have to expend to overcome it is, is extraordinary. So I don't think that it's something that you should ever feel like, oh, I've got it down. Be, you know, be proud of the fact that you're able to overcome it because it's hard work. Yeah, you know, I and we want to do this episode about the link between dyslexia and, addi and addiction. You know, really, Absolutely. the Recovered Life show, the, the the shows that Christina and I do together are really just about conversing about our lives, you know, about what's going on with us and our lives in recovery. And it was interesting because I've always felt, you know, I knew that I did. I was a kid of the 80s, obviously. Right. Like, so mm -hmm. dyslexia became a big thing, I think, after uh, I graduated high school. But it still was kind of a little buzzword. And I kind of got help with dyslexia way late, like not until college. And, wow. you know, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that I couldn't really read, you know, correctly or how they mm -hmm. said I should be able to read. And sometimes the comprehension was good, but wasn't as good. But I knew that in other ways I was far superior in like yeah. social communication. Like I could see people and go, oh man, they're just like, I understand. I understood certain things a little bit more in depth, especially more complex things. I tend Absolutely. to be able to kind of see, and you had forwarded, it was interesting because we talked about doing the show. You'd forward me this article about people with dyslexia is kind of the new way to think, right? Yes. 
Yes, you're the creatives. And, you know, it really makes sense that you had this, you know, superpower because the hypervigilance that it took for you to overcome, you know, that uh, that different way of thinking allowed you to grow skills that people who have typical neurotypical brains, neurotypical reading comprehension are able to do it, don't have it. And so I, I totally agree with you that you are able to grow that into a positive, but there's a lot of energy around it. And it makes me so sad, you know, knowing that I'll tell you, there's something that applies to ladies is that often these kinds of symptoms, these kinds of uh, learning uh, challenges don't show up the same way. And so uh, a lot of people will miss a diagnosis even in today's age. And so uh, I think it can still happen where people will miss it. So, you know, just like you said it, you did not learn until you were in your college years and that's rough. Yeah, I was learning, but not the way that everybody else learned. Exactly. Right? And this is this is why I want to do this show about, I'd always wondered about the link between dyslexia and addiction. Are people that have dyslexia as children, that are maybe diagnosed and are showing those signs of dyslexia as children, are they more likely to, uh, are they more likely to suffer from addiction uh, in their teen years, in their twenties, right in adulthood. And so I did a little deep dive into it because you know, that's how I am. I can yeah. get a little obsessive about, so I want to kind of, man, you know, like, what is this? And it was really interesting. Cause I stumbled upon, uh, this really great article and it was from, uh, the national library of medicine. And, um, it's all about biotechnology information and mm -hmm. it, the whole thing was dyslexia and substance abuse. But one of the things it said is that there's also some preliminary evidence to suggest that individuals in substance abuse treatment have a higher incidence of learning disabilities than the general population. And that was really interesting. So there is some like actual physical proof, right? Yes. That you have a much higher that when they're getting people, when they come into addiction recovery, they have a much higher learning disability issues. And the, the most recognizable learning disability is dyslexia for the most part. So right. it's interesting that there's a link there. But I started to kind of think about like, well, why, why are people with dyslexia more prone to addiction? Yes. Why, why is that, right? And um, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I have a couple of thoughts, honestly, from me being a kid with dyslexia and then later, you know, suffering from addiction and then getting into recovery, right? I think the big thing is escapism. You mm. know, I, I I will tell you that I think that escape I think escapism is it is an issue with people that have dyslexia because the day to day of you doing what you do, right? It's so difficult, and there's so many obstacles, especially when you're a kid or you're in a teen. There's so many obstacles. Um, of and disadvantages, right? So you're always the low person on the totem pole. You're always the person that got the D or the C minus or the F. You're not the person who got the B plus or the A or the solid B, right? right? So I think a lot of it is, is when you have off time outside of school, I know for me, my first drug of choice was escapism. Oh, 
so true. And I, I think it also has to do, and you can tell me because, you know, they, we're not saying that it's a causation, we're saying it's a correlation, but that's the yes. first step to really see it. And um, the, the truth is, you know, escapism, I, I, I think trauma relief, you know, they kind of go hand in hand because there was trauma in the fact that you were the kid who got the D or you were the one that knew you were different. And we all know um, that junior high is the breaking point. Like in order to feel as if you can survive, you must belong, right? The othering that happens in junior high is so effective in hurting. And I, I can't imagine that in second, third, fourth, if you were already feeling other and then you get to this critical, pivotal point and you feel it, of course you want to escape. I, I absolutely Yeah, I know agree. for me, I mean, I'm going to tell you honestly, Christina, for me, it was escapism first, yep. right? It was entertainment. It was doing things that would like physical things that I could escape or things that I was good at, right? That, of course. That were not in that structure, do you know, we learn differently now. Like I've watched my daughter go through school. She learns differently. Like they do PowerPoint presentations. Like I told her the other day, I said, like if we were to had computers in the eighties, early eighties, and I could do PowerPoint presentations and videos, I would have gone to Harvard. Like, absolutely. You, you, you know, because the, the, the way in which people learn are so different now, but you know, society being so prone, I mean, like we talk about this all the time in the recovered life show, Christina, like we're helping people that are younger and younger and younger that are identifying as people who are alcoholic or have addiction problems. We sure are. And it is scary, isn't it? Especially with these designer drugs that are out here. And so this is such an important conversation to have. Um, you know, one in six children have a learning challenge. One in six. So, I mean, when you think about how many of them are sitting in our schools and early detection is, in, is imperative, but for all children, the education system has to change. In many ways, it has not changed in an over a hundred years. And I think that we're starting to see that uh, show up in, you know, the 12 step groups, like these young people cannot expend the amount of energy that's necessary. They must escape. They must find a way to bring relief and they must feel like they belong. And, and the activities have changed as well. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I sound so old, like I'm telling the story about walking five miles in the snow to school when I say it, but it is true. Like you said, you went and you sought out things that that you did have some mastery or at least the capability of having mastery out of it. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious, like what you did, was it sports? What happened? And wow. Well, I did, I was involved in sports. I was involved in uh -huh. sports and I liked movies and I wanted to get in the mm -hmm. entertainment industry and that kind of stuff. But really it's like, you're talking about trauma. For me, it wasn't junior high. It happened much. See, I think kids with severe dyslexia, like I had, where I was inverting letters and I couldn't mm -hmm. read through a set, right? I had an eye tracking issue that later I had mm -hmm. to deal with that had to do with dyslexia. It started earlier for me. I remember I got held Ouch. back in third grade. Oh, goodness. And that was a demarcation line when I got held back. I remember that demarcation line now. And honestly, I, I believe because of kind of the way it was handled and, and no fault to the people who did it, they just didn't know, right? Like no, I'm not, I'm not playing the blame game on <clears> that, but one of the things that is that demarcation line when I was in third grade and they decided that they were going to hold me back 
Um, I kind of, for me, I was like, okay, I'm not going to win at this game. Mm. I am not going to, you know, I am not going to win at this game. Oh. I remember making a conscious choice saying, that's it. Like, I'm not going to win at this game. Cause I that had tried. My heart. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, you're just not putting the effort in. I'm like, no, I'm putting the effort in. I'm just not, I just can't do it the way you want me to do it. I understand conceptually what you're talking about. I just can't, I just can't do it like you want me to do it. Right. Like, and I remember that, that demarcation line is like, man, that's not, and then that led to escapism and escapism mm -hmm. led to sugar. Mm. And sugar was really honestly, and we talked about this the other day on a clubhouse room. Sugar yes. was my, sugar was my, um, gateway drug to alcohol. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Uh-huh. It's the first one in anyone. And, and, you know, women definitely know that. I think that when they start doing the work, when we start doing our recovery work and, you know, you get done with, you know, maybe the first set of alcohol trauma and, and the things that you have to do. I don't know anybody who doesn't have to walk through the food issue. A lot of us call the food issue, the mother wound, right? You know, and I look through a lens of trauma. You look through a lens of, you know, feeling othered, absolutely, or escapism. It is the first thing we have access to is sugar. Absolutely. You know, and the thing is, I think the interesting thing with dyslexia is thinking, Really? I will tell you one thing that one thing that's been an advantage to me is that especially in the business world is I think different than people who have MBAs. I just think, you know, I just think differently. And I've been in rooms and groups of people where I just think different and they, it's refreshing because now I think the way in which people think that have dyslexia is much more like, right. The way in which they're teaching people to think now much okay. more kind of out of the box being able to see it. But the interesting thing about that is, is I think that, you know, we define alcoholism primarily as a thinking disorder, right? Mm -hmm. Like we do at the end of the day, it's like, there's a, there's there, it's a, it's a non-pattern, like who really at the end of the day, Christina, honestly, like who at the end of the day is just like, oh, well, I'm totally screwing up my life thinking, oh, this is a good idea. Or maybe I could drink in this way or bit, right? All these things that we associate to alcoholism really comes down to a thinking disorder at the end right. of the day, right? We have to change our thinking. We know that when we get into recovery that just getting sober isn't enough. We've got to actually change our thinking. And it's Absolutely. interesting because dyslexia is a thinking issue as well, a different type, but a thinking issue, not just the same. I'm curious what you think about dopamine in the range of dyslexia. And I know we have to go on a break, but I'd love to hear what you think about that because they're really learning that dopamine, you know, and we're learning that in the world of addiction, that dopamine seeking is one of the, the major players, which is, you know, ab I kind of feel like you could say no duh, but we can see it actually on our brain now. Uh, and with ADHD, they struggle with dopamine you know, seeking. It's one of the reasons yeah. why they do stuff. And I'm wondering what you think about that. Uh, you know, I want to dive into that. Let's dive into the dopamine conversation when we get back from this quick break, because I think that there's something, I think that there's something there. And I think especially in training yourself mm -hmm. that you need this reward in which to go do certain other things. So let's dive into that dopamine conversation when we get back from this quick break. If you are newly sober, trying to get sober, or you've been sober for decades and are looking to take your sobriety to the next level, the Recovery Breakthrough six-week transformation 
concierge coaching program might be right for you. Have Damon Frank and Christina Dennis build a custom roadmap to get you on the path to getting what you really need. Receive hands-on concierge coaching and stay focused and productive with our daily check-ins. If you're ready to experience your recovery breakthrough and start the journey towards the transformation you deserve, book a free Get to Know You call today and find out what is possible in your recovery. To find out more about Recovery Breakthrough and to book your free call, go to recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. All right. As promised, when we came back, we are continuing the conversation between the link between dyslexia and addiction. Christina, you were talking about dopamine hits. Yes. Uh, let's talk about that. Yes. You know, fill everybody in on what a dopamine hit is because somebody might be listening and not really kind of understand what that means. Well, okay. First of all, dopamine is not the devil. It is what we need in order to reach for something, the anticipation of getting something. It's what helps us plan just picking up a cup. That dopamine's important. But the the secret, the dirty little secret about dopamine is once you reach that goal, once you pick up that cup, dopamine goes away. The other thing that happens with dopamine is that you don't have access to serotonin and oxytocin, right? And so we know with alcohol that once the brain has determined that the best dopamine it can get is alcohol, it will prioritize alcohol over all kinds of things, over, you know, sex, food, relationships. It is why your loved one or me would rather drink or needs to drink, is addicted to drinking because my brain is there saying dopamine, 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 that's what you want. And it's taken over every other part of my life. And, you know, I think it's important to know how it works because once you realize that after you get that initial hit of dopamine uh, and you are, let's say, an active addiction to alcohol, it goes away. And if I think about it, knowing that language in the, you know, the last year, there's been some really beautiful literature put out, The Molecule of More, very fascinating. It kind of helps me understand that the shame needs to be taken out of, of active alcohol addiction. Our brains are designed to do it and it will always be futile. So, you know, that first couple of drinks that when I, if I think back to when I drank that first couple of drinks, it was like after that, I wouldn't be able to stop because I was always looking for that original dopamine hit. Now with learning challenges, Dopamine is is uh, is very seeking because in ADHD it's been proven that they do not people who who suffer from ADHD uh, or who have executive dysfunction because ADHD is very poorly named. It's not about attention. 
at all. It's about the fact that the executive function is different. They will seek dopamine because dopamine is actually suppressed in their brain, which is why hyperactivity comes involved and it starts pushing us dopamine, dopamine. And I'm curious about dyslexia. Um, and since you, you've been able to overcome it, what it looks like for you. Have you ever thought about it in the terms of that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I was thinking when you were, when you were talking about that, I was thinking, I was like, you know, wow, where was I during that period of time? Right. Like you think back and it's been, you know, after being sober for 29 years and then having a run uh, of actual active addiction, right. It's been a while, but I do, it's, you said something that was kind of interesting. It was like, you know, you can grab onto anything for that dopamine hit. And one of the things that I remember was, you know, after I went to college and there was somebody who helped me out, I always give a shout out. His name was Bright Rope. Uh, and he's, he's passed now, but he's a Native American teacher uh, that was at my college. And he really kind of really helped me with dyslexia, taught me to read, found out what was going on with tracking. Wow. You know, he even talked to my parents and brought them in because I like failed out the first semester of college. I was like really barely hanging on. And, you know, it was interesting because I learned, I made another decision that made, Hey, you know what? I can win. And then when I started having wins, I remember getting addicted to those wins. Of course. Uh, and you know, and I think honestly, uh, when you said that, it's very interesting. I think everybody does that to a certain degree. People would much rather win than they would to be th than to lose. I think really. Right. Yeah. Like, Duh. but what <laughs> happened is, is that can craft, if you've got, if you, if you have addiction, that will craft itself into the fact of like, I'm going to get a dopamine hit. And if I win, that's going to fix everything. Right. Yeah. Which as we know in life, there's plenty of successful people that win at school and win at work and that just aren't, you know, that, that, nope. that take a dive bomb. So yeah. it is interesting that you say that because yeah, I think, um, and I think also I've met people too. I'm not this personality. I'm much more of a, like you hit me and I'm going to get up off the mat but there are people who get, I think, dopamine hits from losing. Uh, I've oh, met no. some of those people. Absolutely. We know that that there is a predictive light up in the brain that if you are a worrier and, it, and you predict it correctly and it comes through, it literally lights up the brain that is very similar to gambling addicts. So we know we still need lots more studies to figure this out. But we know that there actually is somebody getting a hit from losing from being predictive and from feeling like they have an idea. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, this is my story. You know, this is what happens, self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, it's going to take 20 shows to kind of go through all of that, but absolutely there is correlation that's been proven that you can become addicted to worrying. So, are, you know, and I think it's interesting because I've met those people in recovery, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think me the too. thing is, I think actually, you know, this has been a great episode because it made me think, right? Like, because uh -huh. I like these are conversations. So yes. we're just talking about things that we would at like a fellowship table, right? Like in uh, in a 12-step meeting. At, it's the stuff that happens that we talk about after those meetings, right? And I, it's interesting because I've met so many people that are addicted to losing, and being mm -hmm. a loser mm -hmm. in recovery. And you could see that they get a dopamine hit. I think that it's the same thing though, with people who are addicted to winning or want to win. 
right? Or achievement. There's like that yes. whole like hustle kind of thing that's out there now, which I right. think is just one big dopamine hit has nothing really to do with reality. No. Um, but I think the issue with dyslexics is that a lot of the formulas in which to get in and out of things that could be addictive, dyslexics think differently, right? We just think wow. differently. We go about a word problem differently. This is just proven. Like our approach is different. That's why social communication works so well with people who are dyslexic because our approach with people and being able to read people is way, I think, way more sophisticated than the average person that doesn't have dyslexia. That's been my experience. Like I could walk into a room and kind of read people a lot more effectively. Uh, but the problem is getting out of things, like certain things, certain processes. Dyslexics don't think that way. So when you're trying to get out of this, like, hey, I'm a loser. I'm always going to be a loser. It's never going to work out that this addicted to worry or addicted to success. I always win. I could never lose, you know, that kind of workaholism hustle thing, getting out of it because you Google that and the process that they give for most people to get out of it is doesn't necessarily always work with somebody who's dyslexic. Oh, tell me, tell me, how does it, I mean, I'm so curious because if you don't have, I mean, that makes sense. If you don't have access to that type of thinking, uh, those neural pathways haven't grown. They're not the longest ones in your world. It takes an active, uh, I mean, an intense amount of emotional energy to change and to believe. And it also takes vulnerability and fear and cleaning up trauma. I mean, this is one of the things that I love about the Recovered Life community and our conversations is that we really do break down all the other parts. We know the problems don't end with physical sobriety. And so I, I absolutely want to know from your point, since you uh, are gracious enough to always share about your challenges, how do you move through that? I think a lot of it is process, right? As a dyslexic, it's, a, it's so mm -hmm. interesting because as a sober coach, I think one of the things that I see is what is the process that's going to help this person be able to retain long-term sobriety? Right. Because it's the process. Right. And the thing is, is that like there's a process for reading and punctuation and spelling. I'm somebody like when I write out business to this day, Christina, I'll write it out. I'll spell it wrong. I'll go back and I'll redo it. Like so there's certain things that don't go away with dyslexia, but certain things, certain things uh, have changed. And I got to tell you, the recovery process helped my cure, not, I'm not going to say cure my dyslexia, but help manage my dyslexia a lot more. I'll tell you what, because I had to learn basic things mm -hmm. that I would do over and over and over again, that I systems that I could go back to, to run these systems over and over again. And those systems I knew would give me an outcome, right? So just like somebody who's struggling with recovery, okay, well, I'm going to call somebody, then yes. I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. Right. And by the time I do all this, I'm not going to feel like I'm drinking. Well, it's the same thing, I think, with dyslexia is like what I found is finding that process. So a lot of times when people talk to me, I'm always going to the process. Okay, well, how am I going to get from A to Z, right? Because mm -hmm. I need a process that I can see visually, not mm -hmm. just that I could read. Because I'm going to comprehend something by doing it, by touching it, or I'm going to see it by actually visually seeing it. Well, which explains that article that I sent you about the fact that you have the opportunity as a dyslexic to bring so much more creativity to it because you're not confined 
in those rules. You know, I had to redo handwriting in sixth grade. It was so atrocious, atrocious that my second grade teacher or my sixth grade teacher made me do second grade handwriting books. Ah, oh, you got yeah. the slap. I did. I did. Gifted child, terrible handwriting. And, um, and I realize that that slows down the process. You know, there's a certain amount of journaling that you can do where you can barely, I mean, my journaling is incredibly illegible. And this is such a small little comparison, but because I allowed those rules to be taken off, I get to a much higher consciousness. I think that's it. I think I think that's what you're talking about. It's these processes. It's the way in which you look at things. Look, I think, you know, more what this said, actually, in the National Library of Medicine, or I'm going to put a link to the article in the show notes so everybody could check it out, is it says that there's just not enough data mm -mm. to really say conclusively, but there's not a lot of data on people with addictive thinking anyway, right? right. So I think as, as it goes along, I think, you know, 100 years from now, 50 years from now, 20 years from now, I think that they're going to come up with a pattern. Like, what is this pattern? So people can predict it early. Does yes. this mean that if a kid is dyslexic early in life, that they're going to suffer from addiction? I don't think that's what it means. But it is kind of interesting that when this was written, it used to be one in 10 people suffered from addiction and one in 10 suffer from learning disabilities. So I do. It is kind of an interesting correlation. Well, and now we know it's four in 10 and what I just said was one in six. Yep. So I think it's important to know it's not going away. So we have it's to keep searching and we have to talk about these things because this does affect ability to be sober. And when you have a little relief, like when I had a little relief and how trauma affected my ADHD adjacent behavior, it helped me a lot. Yeah, it does. You know, I think knowledge and understanding yourself and, and looking at these patterns, I think will help. I think having that conversation earlier on, though, I think is good with learning disabilities because I think what it does is it allows people to have the conversation to be, to, to be open. Like, yes. Christina, I remember uh, if you had alcoholism in your family. People mm -hmm. did not know that there was a link. If you had alcoholism in your family, you were much more likely to maybe suffer from alcoholism, right? Right, um, right. Especially if it was in the immediate family. And now that's kind of common knowledge. But before, no one was like, no, nah, it's, it's a willpower issue. So I think, oh. as, I think as we move forward and science becomes more and more and more, right, I, I think more and more in depth, I think we'll have more data on this. Well, and as an interventionist, and you know this, as we are interventionists, how many times do we come across somebody who is, you know, a younger person having the intervention, they say, and you go do the genealogy, the geneogram, which is important. That's when the stories start coming up about Uncle Bill and Grandpa Joe and Grandma this, and it's amazing how yep. correlated it is. So we do need to Absolutely. talk about it more. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great episode. Just shining the light a little bit more, you know, going into this conversation. I've had this conversation before, but not so in depth. And I think that that's what this show is all about is just having these conversations. So thank you everybody for joining us. Please like, share, and follow, and we will see you on the next Recovered Life Show. Have a beautiful Monday. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.